Welcome to the Confluence of Ideas from Confluence Investment Management. I'm Phil Adler. Today, we undertake a quarterly review and recap asset allocation changes that took place during the latest asset allocation portfolio rebalance. Our guest today is Confluence Asset Allocation Committee Chair, Kaiser Stuckey. Kaiser Confluence offers five asset allocation models along the risk spectrum. They are income, income with growth, growth in income, growth, and aggressive growth. These portfolios are managed by a committee that includes professionals across the firm, including, among others, some names that are familiar to regular listeners of this podcast, frequent guests who are members of the Confluence Macro team. Now, Kaiser, before we address some of the specific changes in the allocation models, I'd like to focus for a moment on the broader confluence outlook discussed in the report. Let's start with the diminishing expectation of an imminent recession. The prospect of a recession has been the financial market's obsession for quite a while. What evidence supports a lower likelihood of imminent recession? Hello, Phil. Thanks for having me on the program. You're correct. During our most recent asset allocation deliberations, the committee felt that the likelihood of a recession occurring during our forecast period has declined. Um, So I'll remind you that our forecast period for the capital market assumptions is three years. You know, the long wait for a recession is a self-destructing prophecy to a degree. The more time that the market participants have to prepare for a recession, the more opportunity they have to right-size their balance sheets. So the less severe the recession is likely to be. Another supporting factor for continued economic growth is the effect of fiscal spending. The Inflation Reduction Act and the Infrastructure and Jobs Act, among others, form an accommodative fiscal backdrop, which supports corporations as well as consumers. Finally, we agree with the market that the most likely next step for monetary policy is easing, as inflation seems to be moderating for now. We're remaining on the subject of monetary policy. What is the market expectation for the Fed funds rate? Right. The Fed dot plot suggests a 75 basis point easing in 2024. But if you look at the futures-based market expectations, they're betting on an even more aggressive easing. So there's quite some optimism in the markets regarding the FOMC's next steps. Markets predicate this on the premise that inflation is declining, we might have dodged a recession, and we're heading into an election cycle. Now, is Confluence in agreement with market sentiment on this issue of rate cuts? We agree that the next step for the Fed is likely to be easing, but market expectations may be too optimistic regarding the timing and magnitude. And this mismatch has the potential to create market volatility. So to answer your question, yes, we agree on the direction of expected monetary policy, but we are more cautious about speed and size of easing. We expect the Fed to hold policy steady later this year as we head into elections, really to avoid the impression of political favoritism. The short-term decline in inflation will accommodate monetary easing, but in the medium term, we expect inflation to re-accelerate to higher than pre-pandemic levels due to various structural influences. Kaiser, what data suggests that a recession still might be in the cards sometime? 
Well, there are several economic indicators that are still in recession territory. The Chicago Fed National Activity Index has indicated a contractionary environment since the start of last year. The SOM rule, based on unemployment rate, shows we are close to crossing into a recession. But most notably, the change in the leading economic indicators, or LEIs, has spent several months below the level that historically has correlated with a recession. In fact, LEI levels that have been historically correlated with some pretty deep recessions So either a recession is still in the cards, or the LEI's historical ability to predict recessions has somehow been broken, which, by the way, does happen to economic measures from time to time. Of course, we won't know if the LEI is correct or broken until a recession happens, or it does not. Let's now turn to the individual confluence models. Looking at fixed income, you you liquidated the long-duration position and you shortened duration modestly. It seems to me, as I, I look at the percentages in the chart, that this is a fairly dramatic reallocation. Could you explain the dynamics? What's going on here? Yeah, you've got a keen eye, Phil. We exited the position in the long-duration treasuries this quarter, despite having only held the position for a short period of time. Where we sit today, the long end of the curve does not look as attractive as it did when we put the position on. Our expectations of heightened inflation volatility for the foreseeable future, combined with the rally in the long-dated treasuries over the past quarter, dampen our return expectations for the longer durations. Simply put, our thesis for the longer treasuries materialized much, much faster than we anticipated. The belly of the curve, particularly around five years of maturity, looks interesting in terms of rate stability and limitation of both market risk and opportunity cost right now. One more thing about our bond trades. Within the intermediate duration, we find mortgage-backed securities or MBS attractive. With the bulk of conventional mortgages carrying rates well below refi rates, extension risk is currently dampened. Speculative-grade bonds are more favored in two of the three income models and remain well represented in the other. Why? Well, spec-grade bonds are trading at low spreads to treasuries while offering a substantial yield. Our positioning is strictly held in the double B-rated segment of spec-grade bonds, which has little exposure to floating rate debt. Additionally, given our generally positive view of economic growth, spec grade often acts like an equity surrogate. Well, Kaiser, as we turn to stocks, confluence forecasts an economic environment that favors small and mid caps. And small caps particularly gain ground in four of the five models, and they remain at a high 36% in the aggressive growth model. Why is the confluence outlook so healthy for small caps? You're right. We do like small caps and mid caps too. The current valuation discount represents an attractive opportunity. These valuation discounts are likely to close at least to historic averages, especially given the healthy fundamental earnings power for domestic equities. To mitigate potential economic volatility risks, we include a quality factor within our mid cap and small cap exposures which involves screening for indicators such as profitability, leverage, and cash flows. The four stock models also maintain current exposure to the large caps. I imagine there's always some movement within these categories. Which sectors stand out to you? You know, we still like the energy sector and maintain our uranium miners position despite the great performance last quarter. 
the changing nature of baseload energy production and the policies shaping it have created an opportunity for nuclear energy. This is a long cycle trend that will be with us for several years, if not longer. On the other hand, playing on the deglobalization and remilitarization trend, in addition to the military hardware exposure via the airspace and defense factor, we also added a position in cybersecurity, as we believe global conflicts will be increasingly in this arena. Geopolitical tensions discussed in many of our recent Confluence podcasts may create more market volatility than usual. How how do your allocation models come to grips with this risk? We absolutely agree that volatility is likely to remain elevated. To give you a big picture answer, a keen and constant eye on the portfolios and market fundamentals is important in this environment. More trading than we have done in the past may be needed to keep risk at an appropriate level. Now looking for a more specific example of dealing with volatility. We've been selective about what we pay in terms of valuations for our portfolio possessions. Additionally, you'll find several high-quality factor positions in our portfolios, whether it's a free cash flow screening ETF or exposure to higher-quality spec-grade bonds. We also have an exposure to gold across the board and silver where appropriate. These two metals have a low or negative correlation to risk assets, making them a stabilizing addition in volatile times. But perhaps most of all, we encourage investors to take a long-term view to investing and select the appropriate risk level for their personal comfort zone. As you mentioned, we offer five portfolios along the risk spectrum. There's really one for everyone's risk appetite. But more than anything, we'd encourage investors to remember that diversification is important, especially during these volatile times. Thank you, Kaisa. If our listeners would like to read the detailed asset allocation outlook report, that's easy to do. Just access confluenceinvestment.com. That's one word, Confluence Investment. You'll find a tab for the asset allocation quarterly on the top right of the page. Our discussion today is based upon sources and data believed to be accurate and reliable. Opinions and forward-looking statements expressed are subject to change without notice, and this information does not constitute a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security. Our audio engineer is Dane Stoll. I'm Phil Adler. 